Well, hey, listen, hey, want to welcome everybody here and uh, welcome all you who are joining us from Oak Creek and online, a special happy third birthday. Really proud of you and Andrea and the team and just all that's going on there. And we're just honored that you're joining us uh, every single week as well as uh, we're beginning the new year uh, in a series on relationships. And last week, ladies, I gave you some valuable intel on us guys. When I said men, we tend to think of relationships like many of you think of a car, that we don't want to work on it. We just want it to work. And so when we hear you say, ladies, hey, let's talk about our relationship, what we hear is there's something wrong with us, and you know how to fix us. Uh, ladies, maybe you've had uh, this experience with a guy in your life that you walked out into the garage, and you saw him looking under the hood of the car, and here's what you're thinking. He knows nothing about cars. Now, this happens in, in, in my house, or has happened in my house. And, uh, and so you go, hey, man, uh, hey, hey, what's wrong? And he goes, hey, just checking. Just checking. Now, we don't know what we're checking for. You know, we just know that something needs to be checked. And ladies, here's what you're thinking. If the car's not broken down on the side of the road, do we really need to check it? To which, ladies, we go, aha, that's exactly how we feel about relationships. If the relationship isn't broken down on the side of the road, do we really need to talk about it? And the answer is, yes, we do. And so that's why we're doing this series, What Happy Couples Know. Now, last week, uh, I, I invited you and invited everybody who's kind of journeying with us through this series uh, to this workshop. And it's a couples workshop, and uh, it, it's going to be in a couple weeks. And this workshop is designed to give you some tools that will continue to be able to build into and strengthen and continue to grow in your relationship together. Because as a part of this series, I mean, we really want to see that happen. And so if this marriage, uh, th this workshop is designed for uh, pre-married, married, and remarried, and so if you're interested in going, and I hope you are, uh, you can go on this website here, find out more about it, or stop by the Next Step area and uh, learn more about it as well. Now, I'm going to do a quick review from last week, but if you weren't here last week, because I'm not going to be able to cover all of last week, I want to encourage you to go on, our go on our website, and you can just watch or listen, or if you, if you don't subscribe to our podcast, uh, you can do that and listen to the message as well. Now, last week I said, hey, when it comes to our relationships, all of us have an invisible box of hopes, dreams, and desires. Even if you're single and you're not in a committed relationship right now, you have a general idea of what that future relationship will look like. And so in this box are things that we want to be true about that future relationship. You know, for example, and I covered a bunch of these uh, last week, I said, you know, we all have hopes and dreams and desires when it comes to money. And for some of you, it's like, you know, we're going to live on a budget, so to speak. And, and others of you have like, no way, you know, we're going to live on love and we're never going to live on a budget and all that stuff. But you have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to money. And, uh, you know, you have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to where you're going to live. And uh, for some of you, it's like, we're going to rent when we get together. And for others of you, like, no, 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 we're going to buy a house. You know, we're going to purchase. And uh, we brought this house out last week. And I tell you, the demand for pink roofs went up after we brought this out last week. But you just, you know, you have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates uh, to where you're going to live. You know, you also have hopes, dreams, and desires uh, when it comes to kids. And for some of you, it's like, you know, we want to have girls. And, and others of you, you know, no, no, we're going to have sons. Uh, for some of you, it's like, you know, I hope that we have twin boys. And they go to the greatest school in the world, the University of Miami down in Florida. And then we hope that they play for the greatest football team in the world, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, you just kind of hope you have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to kids. And, you know, you have hopes, dreams, and desires 
uh, as it relates to how you're going to resolve conflict. And, and you might be like, hey, when we, when we get into arguments and stuff, we're just going to talk it all out, even if it, if it goes all night long. And uh, you might be thinking, you know, the best way to handle conflict is to not talk about it at all. But, you know, you have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to how you're going to handle conflict. Now, the challenge we all have is, is that we bring our box into any committed relationship uh, that we're in. Uh, when I married Donna, on our wedding day, I just didn't bring her a ring to the altar. I brought her my box as well. And on that day, I said, here, go make my dreams come true. And she brought her box to me, and she said, here, go make this dream, go make my dreams come true. Now, what's interesting is, is that, you know, what's in my box, it seems perfectly reasonable to me. I mean, I look at the things in my box, I'm thinking, why wouldn't everybody want to live their lives around these things? You know, I mean, these things are great. And here's the thing, when Donna brought her box, everything in her box seems completely reasonable to her. Now, the problem with this is, and for some of you, this is some of the tension that you're feeling in a relationship right now, but you don't, you don't, you don't know how to put words to it yet. Uh, the problem is, is that our hopes, dreams, and desires, they don't feel like hopes, dreams, and desires to the other person, do they? To them, and we said this last week, they feel more like expectations. They feel more like responsibility. And we defined expectations last week, and we said, you know, expectations are, they're just a strong belief that something will happen. Maybe not today, but someday. It's like, you know, we're, he's not there yet, but you're working on it, aren't you, honey? It's like, she's a work in progress. He's a work in progress. But they'll get there. They'll get there. It's just this subtle pressure. And for some of you, it's not even really a subtle pressure. It's this pressure that we have to live with every single day. Now, when couples exchange boxes, there's this tendency to start negotiating with each other. You know, it's kind of like, all right, uh, you got your way here. Now I want my way there. Or, yet, you know, you did it this way over here. Now you know what? Now I want to do it this way over here. And we said this last week. We said when couples start negotiating with each other, here's what begins to happen. The relationship takes on a debt-debtor relationship. And it's like, okay, you owe me, and I owe you. You owe me. This is what women are supposed to do. This is what husbands are supposed to do. This is what couples are supposed to do. And what ends up happening, and this is so subtle in a relationship, don't even realize it. What ends up happening is that each person is trying to get what they think they are owed. Now, when this creeps into a relationship, what ends up happening is, is that we can't give love and we can't receive love because we can't appreciate love. Let me illustrate it this way. If you owe me money, you can't give me money. See, if you try to give me money, I don't receive it as a gift. I see it and receive it as a payment. That's why when you pay me everything that you owe me, my gratitude towards you is minimal. And when you don't pay me everything that I think you owe me, I'm like, hey, 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 where's the rest that you owe me? So the question then is, how do we keep our legitimate hopes, dreams, and desires feeling like, keeping them from feeling like expectations? And the answer is, is the way that happy couples answer this question. And the question is this, what does he or she owe me? And happy couples always answer this question the very same way. And they say, you know what she owes me? He owes me nothing. Happy couples know. Happy couples know. 
that they owe the other person everything, but are owed nothing in return, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but there's something about happy couples that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, a Christian marriage. Now, I've, I've heard some people throughout the years say, hey, we're going to have a Christian marriage. We, we want to have a Christian marriage. And what they mean for the most part is that they want to build their marriage on, on, on certain codes, Christian codes of conduct. Now, listen, that's not a Christian marriage. In fact, any great, any great marriage is not built on codes of conduct. Listen, if you want to have, have a great marriage, if you want to have a great relationship, then trying to get the other person to behave a certain way and act a certain way, listen, you're heading in the wrong direction. A Christian marriage is built on something so much better than that, that instead of negotiating, it is built on this idea that, hey, I, I owe the other person everything, but I'm owed nothing in return. Now, today what I want to do is I want to talk more about what this is and how we get there. But before I do, I want to talk more about where this came from. Hours before Jesus was arrested and was crucified, he gathered his disciples into a room. And, and when he gathered them together, he goes, all right, guys, for the last couple years, I've taught a lot of things. And I probably, you, know, you probably forgot half of them, but there's one thing I want you to remember. And we looked at this last week. Here's what he said. He said, a new command I give you, to which when he said this, they were probably all offended at Jesus. Because they believed only God could give a command. And so Jesus was, in essence, speaking for God. And then he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so this was a defining moment for them. Jesus was taking 600-plus Jewish laws, and he was reducing them down to one. And he looks at them, and he said, here are your marching orders. I want you to treat others the way I have treated you. And he could have gone around the room in these guys. And he could have looked at each one of them and said, hey, do you remember when we first met? And all of them in their own way, they would have said, oh, yeah, we do, Jesus. And listen, we had a less than flattering response to you. And Jesus would have said, yeah, I know you did. I know you did. So I want you to think about how I have always treated you. Now, I want you to go and treat others the same way. And then in a few hours... He was arrested, and then he was crucified. And in a few days, they experienced an aha moment that they would never recover from when they realized that he gave his life for them. And now he was asking them to do for others what he had done for them. This is why this is not called the golden rule. This is something better. It's called the platinum rule. Now, we all know the golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Now, the platinum rule, the platinum rule, this is, this is so much more difficult, and this is so much more demanding, but the impact is so much greater. The, the platinum rule, treat people the way that God, through Christ and what he did, treated you. A few years later, a guy named Paul, who hated Christians, ends up becoming a Jesus follower. And his life is completely transformed. And so he begins to write these letters to Gentiles or non-Jews. And we can find many of these letters in what we know is the New Testament. And in these letters, he talks about this, this big idea. I want you to love others as God through Christ has loved you. And he begins to apply these to all our relationships, including marriage. In fact, what we talk about today, if you're not married and you hope to someday be married, this is what you want to shoot for. 
right here. And so Paul's writing about relationships. He's writing about marriage. And understand, his filter is Jesus' new command. Treat others the way I have treated you. So keeping all this in mind, here's Paul. He's writing to some Christians in Ephesus, and here's what he says. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. What do happy couples know? That. What could be any clearer than that? Now, ladies, go do likewise, and we'll see you next week for week three. <laughs> now, just, just to kind of, if, if, if you're like offended by this, you know, if you're offended, I just want to let you know, I highlighted these two words here because I really wanted you to kind of lock into those two words right there. Now, listen, I'm just, listen, I'm just kidding. I, and the reason I'm just kidding, because I know, I know for some of you, this is why you turned away from Christianity or walked away from Christianity because you're like, this is so archaic. This is so demeaning. But listen, if that's you, I am really glad you're here today. And the reason why I'm glad you're here today is because you're going to get a chance to see this for what this truly is. And this is something that happy couples do. Now, to show you why that is, let me contextualize this for you because it's really, really important. See, when, when Paul's first century audience heard Paul say, wives submit to your husbands, their reaction wasn't, what? It was, Paul, hey, would you tell us something that we don't know? You know, the reason why they reacted this way and the reason why they weren't offended in ladies, the reason why ladies weren't offended is because men in that culture, they had legal jurisdiction over their wives and over their kids. And so in essence, husbands actually owned their wives. And so when they heard wives submit to your husbands, it was like, okay, Paul, of course that's what we're going to do. Because listen, if we don't, he'll sell us. If we don't, he'll make up some things and we'll get arrested. So Paul, I mean, come on, Paul. We don't really have a choice. Of course we're going to submit to our husbands. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But here's the cool thing about all this. And it's found in the verse just before this. And it's a verse that most people skip over. And it's a verse that most people forget. But this verse right here, this is a relationship game changer. And it's this verse right here that comes before this. That this sets the tone for the rest of what Paul says. Here's the verse that comes before Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, once again, the reference point is Christ. As God demonstrated his love for you through Jesus, his incredible love for you, I want you to go and do the very same thing. And then he uses this word reverence, and this is such a cool word. It means awe. It means wow. You know, and Paul's going, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. When you take times, and this is actually a good thing to do if you're a Christian, when you just take time to think about all that God has done for you, and when you fully understand what that means, there will be a consistent, wow, there'll be a consistent awe that comes over your life. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like, okay, God, you sent your son to die for me, not because you had to, but because you loved me that much. Wow. Hey, God, so... You forgave me, and you forgave me even though you knew everything that I did. I mean, you know, you knew all those times, and I was playing like little religious games with you, and I said, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to act for forgiveness later, and you got to wipe it clean and all that stuff. And I was kind of manipulating you in that way. And God, you know, you, you forgave me even though that I did things that I knew that I wasn't supposed to do, and then I experienced the consequences, and I blamed you for the decisions that I made, you know, and I kind of did that whole thing. And God, when I didn't even care about you, you know, all this stuff, and you still... You still forgave me, and you didn't have to forgive me. I mean, I like to think that you had to forgive me, but you didn't have to. 
but you love me that much, when that settles in, there's this awe that'll happen. And Paul says that awe is not just translated into church attendance. It's not translated into singing a couple songs here or there. It's not translated into put a couple bucks in the offering bucket. That that awe is, should be translated into love for other people. And then ladies, look what he says. Or I should say guys, look what he says. Submit to one another. That submission is actually mutual. It's mutual. It's a one another command. Now, the word submission, it, it, there's a lot of confusion around this word. But here's, here's what submission means. It just means this. It just means I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And so the filter is, the, the approach to all of our relationships is you before me. And so you know what a Christian marriage is? A Christian marriage is just this. It's just a submission competition. And I'm telling you, this is what makes marriage fun. And this is what makes marriage fulfilling and amazing. And this is what makes it a lifelong journey of discovery together. Happy couples know, I'm here for you. I'm here for you not because you're here for me. I'm here for you because God was here for me when I needed him. And so as a result of that, I'm going to take all my gifts and all my talents and all of me, and I'm going to leverage them for your benefit. We might be different but we're not of different value. Now, when Paul wrote this, I mean, this was unbelievable back then. And the reference point, once again, is not the other person or what, what he or she does. The reference point is Jesus. So it is at this point right here, this is the starting point for all of this. This is the beginning point. And then Paul writes our verse. He says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. To which ladies, you know, we immediately, you immediately think this, but he's not worth submitting to. Now, I did a survey this week, okay? I did a survey this week where I surveyed thousands of women across the world, and here's what I found. 100% of men are not worth submitting to. 100%. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now, ladies, here's, here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying this. I want you to put your man's box of hopes, dreams, and desires ahead of your own. I want you to prioritize his box, not because he expects it, but because your heavenly father requests it. Now, what, what comes next? What comes next? Had a reaction on that audience that parallels our 21st century reaction to wives submit to your husbands. Because that culture, like I said, once again, that culture, this was all new. This was all different. But the reason that many times we, we kind of push back against wives submit to your husbands is because of what Paul asked husbands to do. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through what that is, and then we're going to kind of connect all these dots with all this. So here's what Paul was asking husbands to do. Here's what he said. He said, hey, husbands, love your wives. To which we go, well, Paul... No kidding. No kidding, Paul. But in the first century, I'm telling you, this was so big. They were like, wait a minute, Paul. <laughs> wait a minute. I don't have an obligation to my woman. My woman has an obligation to me. And Paul's like, hey, 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 slow down, tigers. I'm not done yet. 
And what Paul says here, there are two words in, in what he says here. And as you read the New Testament, if you're starting to read the New Testament, look for these two words, because these two words, they, they just communicate such a powerful idea. Here's what Paul says. Husbands, love your wives just as. And th those are our two words. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now remember, he's writing to Christians in Ephesus. And so the guys are like, whoa, I know how this story ends, Paul. And it didn't end well for Jesus. Paul, are you telling me, Paul, <laughs> and I hope you're not telling me this, Paul, but Paul, are you telling me that I have and that we have a sense of responsibility towards our wives? Paul, are you inferring, and Paul, you better not be inferring this. Paul, are you inferring that somehow she is equal to us? And once again, they knew how this went. Jesus died for the church. And then he's not done. Look what he says next. He says, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. Now, I love this. Because Paul's like, hey, guys, let me make it as simple, for you, as simple for you as possible. Because Paul even knew back then, you know, guys, we needed as simple for us as possible. And so he was like, hey, I want you to love your wives as if she's you. And then he says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Okay, Paul, what does that mean? That's really mean. Paul's like, hey, because there's this mystery in marriage where the two become one, hey, because of that, there is no distinction. Husbands, your wives are one with you. Now, we hear this, and it's not that big of a deal, but I'm telling you back then, this was earth-shattering for them, because what Paul was doing was he was equating women with men, and this had been unheard of. Now, for you, if you're here, and uh, this should be good news, because if you're not a Christian or you left Christianity, I mean, listen, the reason why you push against, and ladies, the reason why you push back against wives submit to your husbands is because in our American culture, we embrace, embrace equality of men and women. This is why the minute that you hear, you know, someone is supposed to submit to someone else, it's like, oh, no. But ladies, here's the amazing thing. Guess who introduced the idea of equality into the world. Jesus did. He argued for your value and worth before anyone else argued for your value and worth. And Paul comes along in light of all this, and he says, hey men, because of how your heavenly father views the women in your life, you are to treat them as if they are the same value as you because they are. So it's like Paul. That's great. What's your point in all of this? And I think if Paul was here, he would say, hey, guys, let me tell you what the point of all this is. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What's life to you? Paul, what do you mean, what's life to you? What, what is, no, no, what is life to you? Paul, I'm a guy. I don't think that deep, you know? What, I don't think, well, okay, listen. What is life to you? Whatever your answer is to that question, you put her before that. Whatever life is to you, you put her ahead of that. And let me just tell you something, guys. You can't do that as long as you have a big box of expectation that, expectations that stands between you and her. And Paul would say, hey, ladies, you can't submit to your husbands in the, in the context of, of you submitting to one another. You can't submit to your husbands as long as you have a big box of expectations standing between, between the two of you. Happy couples know. Happy couples know that somehow they get rid of this and they become all for the other person. So the question is, 
Or so maybe the questions are, how do we take what's in our expectation box and put them back into our hopes, dreams, and desires box? And once it's there, what do we do with that? Well, the answer to the first question about, you know, taking the stuff that's in here and, and putting it back in, in a hopes, dreams, and desires box, this is what we talked about last week. And happy couples know we just decide that that other person doesn't owe me anything. And the word decide is really key because it's not a feeling. It's not a he or she deserves or anything like that. We just decide that the other person doesn't owe me anything. That, you know what? That I owe that other person everything but am owed nothing in return. And for this to work, and for some of you, this is going to frustrate some of you, it has to be mutual. Why? Because Paul said, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. I'm telling you, this is what oneness in a relationship looks like. The other person's best before mine. Now, last week, I gave you some homework. And I actually gave you two questions that, that I wanted you to, to, to kind of wrestle with on your own. And here are the two questions. The first question is, what's in your box? And we said this is just a, a really important f question for you to have the answer to. And the second one is equally as important. We said, hey, are you expecting someone to carry it around for you? Now, today I have some, some more homework for you. And for some of you, this piece of homework is going to be very risky for you. And for some of you, it's going to be very hard for you. But here, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go to your fiance or significant other or your spouse. I want you to ask this question. What's in your box? Now, when you ask this question, you don't do it on the way home, okay? Because I know some of you are like, man, man, we only live half a mile from church, and so it's perfect, you know, and get it out and be home in time and all that stuff. Listen, you've got to make sure you wait for the right time. What is in your box? Now, I know some of you, you're, you're thinking, oh, no, she's here. Oh, no, he's here. Now I have to do it, you know? Okay, because I love you, all right, because I love you, here, I'm, I'm going to give you a little piece of advice that will hopefully help you out in this whole thing. You know, I want you to ask, what's in your box? And then after that, after you do that, and I know for some of you, this is actually going to be the harder part of it, but this is, this is going to really help you. When you ask what's in your box, I want you to stop talking and then do this and just listen. Now, this is such an important thing. I know some of you are visual learners, okay? And so I wanted to come up with something that for some of you be like, now I understand, now I understand. So I came up with this, all right? The emoji sentence, all right? The emoji sentence. You see how creative this is? Yeah, the emoji sentence. Box question, what's in your box? Zip the lip and listen, all right? That's the thing, all right? I just want to do that right there. Now, now, now kidney side, but guys... Now, for some of you, you're going to go and uh, you're going to ask your fiancé, your wife, or your significant other, what's in your box? And they're going to pass out because you asked. <laughs> but others, they may get mad because they may go, we've been together 10 years and you still don't know? Listen, if she gets mad, I just want you to take it because you've been together 10 years and you still don't know. And this whole time, you have been wondering why she is not dealing with your box. Listen, there may be some distance here. I just want you to ask and then listen. Now, ladies, some of you, you're going to ask your husband, fiance, significant other, what's in your box? And here's the answer you're going to get. Nothing. Is there a game on? <laughs> and the thing is, is that, you know, we, we, 
for many of us guys, we don't even know we have a box. And so we're, we're not really lying. Now, we expect you to fulfill these things that we've never defined for ourselves. But there's just kind of this part of us that's just kind of like, hey, listen, no box, no talk, don't want to go there. And so we just kind of don't want to go there. Now, guys, this is why last week I wanted you to start thinking about what's in your box. You need to know. And here's the thing. You do know. And ladies, let me tell you something else about us guys, at least about some of us guys. We're scared to talk about this. And guys, the reason why you need to talk about it is because you're scared to talk about this. Now, this question, this is a great question. This is the I'm all in question. This is I'm all into this relationship so much. I want to know what your hopes, dreams, and desires are. And this question, this is such a powerful question because here's what this question is. This question is the less self question. This is, hey, I am more interested in what's in your box than what's in my box. And here's the thing about less self people, and you know this because you've, you've been around less self people. Less self people are happier people. And less self relationships are the richest and happiest relationships. Now, I know for some of you, you're, you're arguing with me in your mind. And here's, here's what your argument really is. It's, it's this. Hey, before I move forward, what about? Before I move forward, what about? And really the core to your pushback, and it's a valid one, all right? It's a valid one. The core to your pushback is really this. Well, if I take the pressure off, I'm afraid. Hey, if I take the pressure off, I'm afraid they'll start. If I take the pressure off, I'm afraid he'll stop. If I take the pressure off, I'm afraid she won't or she will. Now listen, this is not going to make any sense to you because it doesn't really make sense, but this is the way forward. You see, if your relationship has just boiled down to simply a tug of war, and what I mean by a tug of war, it's like it's an argument over the box, you know, and you're standing there and the other person's standing on the other side of the box and, you know, you're pulling this way and you're wondering how, how much the other person's going to pull back or not pull back. And so do I pull a little bit lighter? Or do I pull a little bit more? And there's this constant thing. If your relationship has boiled down to a tug of war, the thought of dropping your end of the rope is frightening for you. And I completely understand that. Listen, I understand how this works, okay? It's kind of like, all right, honey, you heard what the pastor said about the rope, and so here's what we're going to do. When, we, when I count to three, we're going to drop our rope at the same time, okay? One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters. And, you're, and listen, here's the thing. You're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid if you let the pressure off that somehow you're going to have to spend all of your time over there, that you're going to spend the rest of your time, the rest of your relationship working out of the other person's box. Listen. I understand you're afraid, but if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, we have to go first. And here's why. Because when you were dead in your sin, because when you didn't even care to consider God, God through Christ dropped his end of the rope. He did something for you, whether or not you were going to respond to what he did for you. That's what's called the gospel. That's what's called the good news. This is why all the New Testament post-resurrection commands all tied back into this idea, just as God through Christ did for you. So I want you to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, because at the cross, God went first. Jesus followers, we go first, and happy couples 
put each other first by dropping their end of the rope first in an effort to be last. So I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you. Come on, come on, come on. Challenge you. Listen, whatever the condition of your relationship is, and I know, you know, for some of you, you're going through this journey, and that significant other or your fiance or your spouse is not with you. And if that's you, listen, I want you to go first. I want you to go, even though they may never go. For all of us, though, come on, drop your end of the rope first. And then I want you to ask, what's in your box? And then I want you to listen. I want you to maybe even take some notes and maybe, just maybe, you start to take some action. And if you're concerned with, yeah, but Mark, what about my hopes, dreams, and desires? What about my stuff? What about my box? Here's what you do with your box. You come back next week because that's the very thing that we're going to talk about. Let me pray for us. Father, um, I thank you that we get to look at something that has been so misinterpreted and misapplied. But God, there is just a beauty in this. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. Wives, submit to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as you love the church and what that all means. What a powerful picture this is when this begins to take root in relationship. God, uh, this week, this week, I pray that there would be conversations all over this place, all over our community where, where, where people are looking at each other and going, hey, what's in your box? What are your hopes, dreams, and desires? And there's just listening, and there's interest, and God, maybe, even maybe, there's some action. Father, uh, as, as we just kind of continue to journey, I pray you would continue the amazing work that you want to do in our relational world. And God, as always, as always, we would look to you as the reference point for everything, that as you showed incredible love for us and you continue to do that, that we would settle for nothing less than treating others the very same way, including that special person in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.